What do you call someone who was born in one place, grew up in another, but then goes back to the land of their birth and ancestors? A repatriate? My guest today did just that, and a whole bunch of other stuff too. It's financial journalist and podcaster Isabel Wong. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to the podcast. Today we're traveling around the world again. This time we're back to Hong Kong. We're going to have a fun talk with my friend Isabel and her life as a journalist. And we're going to talk about her life as a podcaster. She is the host of Proudly Asian Podcast. So welcome to the podcast, Isabel. Thanks, Curtis, for having me. And um, hello, everyone. Hi from Hong Kong. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you don't have a Hong Kong accent? What kind of accent is that? <laughs> well, make a guess. <laughs> it's an Isabel accent. <laughs> you guys are going to figure out after. <laughs> hmm. What's the what's the weather like in Hong Kong right now? Ooh, um, I mean, lately it's been quite rainy and I would say it's quite depressing. So every time when I look out the window, I see it being so overcast and cloudy. I was just like, oh, not another day of like, not another rainy day again, basically. But you're still you're still warm though, right? You're still in the high twenties. Oh or? yeah, it's been quite hot and humid, which is um, the part that I'm not really a fan of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're gonna visit Hong Kong, you got to do it what October? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any delicious food today? When I think of Hong Kong, I think of food. What do you have today? Um, sadly, it's nothing um, Hong Kong specific. I had Korean for dinner. I just, I was just kind of <laughs> craving a bit of, you know, soupy stuff. So I ended up having this um, kimchi tofu stew for dinner. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that is the beauty of being in Hong Kong. You're right in the middle of Asia. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's such a good launching point. Do you, did you travel before the pandemic? Were you traveling a lot? Like on a weekend, would you go to Thailand for the weekend? Oh, I wish. But, um, you know, as you know, the lifestyle in Hong Kong is quite fast paced and work could mm. be a huge part of everyone who lives in Hong Kong. So when, <laughs> yeah, when the weekend hit, um, yeah, we would always just be like staying home, you know, resting before another work week began. But yeah, I wish I, I did before COVID. <laughs> Mm. Well, you know, things are opening up, right? Like they're loosening up a little bit in Hong Kong or is it still locked down a little bit? A tiny bit, but I mean, they did relax the travel restrictions, but still not as attractive as, you know, um, you could just go out, um, you you could just travel out of the city freely because they still have this um, quarantine of seven seven days um, if you Uh. go through all the tests negative. But if you get tested positive, it's going to be 14 or 21 days. Yeah. (laughs) In a, just in a hotel room eating box lunches and well, stuff. Well, I mean, the hotel room part is the, it's, it's, it's probably the best option you could have. Otherwise, you would be sent to kind of like a government facility, which I heard could be quite rough for some people. <laughs> okay. uh, you know what? I'll wait till next year. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll meet in Hawaii. That was the plan, yeah. right? We're going to do Yeah, that. or maybe California. I'm trying to figure out oh, yeah. um, a way to, to go there because my, my partner's family's there. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, for sure. You got to call us up when you're out yeah. here. <laughs> and if it sounds like we're old friends, everyone, it's because Isabel and I, we go way back. <laughs> to when, when did we start talking? Well, we started a little podcast group 
called the Asian Pod Shop, and we talk about we talk about podcast. We're super podcast nerds, so we talk about podcasting. And uh, you are the last person <laughs> to come on my show. I've had everyone else, Aww. so my audience knows Teddy. They know. Uh, Rocks and Jewels and Lingji. Actually, Ben. No, Ben has never been. Oh, yeah. The mysterious Ben. Mysterious Ben. One of these days. Well, actually, we're cooking with him on Friday, I think. Yes, we are. We are. Did we spoil that? Why are we, I don't know. Why are we doing that again? <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. I hope he's going to show up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing is this this isn't coming out till end of June. So uh, we'll see. So hopefully by now you saw our Instagram live and one of us is the winner. We'll see how it goes. I, I again scheduled it at like 8 a.m. in the morning. So you're cooking at 11 at night yeah. and I'm cooking at 8 in the morning. Exciting. We're doing a, a mochi pancake contest against the worst Asian podcast, Proudly Asian, Infatuation podcast. We're doing a 1v1v1 contest for Subtle Asian Baking. So hopefully everyone saw us live. I would be shocked if we have like 10 people. <laughs> I mean, don't be, don't be so pessimistic. Maybe we will get more than that, like 11. <laughs> <laughs> and then three of them are related to me. Three are related to you. Yes. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but good times. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about you since you are our special guest today. Let's do a little deep dive into the background. Uh, you were born in England. In Nottingham, actually, I mean, I have oh, oh I have plot twist. Yes, I have uh, a plot twist. <laughs> new information for you. Um, I mean, so actually, I was born in Hong Kong because my mom happened to be visiting around then she, when she was pregnant oh, wow. with me, and I decided to <laughs> arrive early <laughs> because okay. maybe because I couldn't resist the smell of like pineapple buns or egg tarts, um, whatever that is. <laughs> Uh-huh, yeah, I was born uh-huh, yeah. in Hong Kong, but then I went on to continue growing up um, in the land of mostly miserable weather, um, without easy access to <laughs> pineapple buns, obviously. Uh huh. So wow. So how does that work? Do you have Do you have Hong Kong residency because of that? Well, you had it from your mom anyway, or yes, um, because of my mom, I, I would have it anyway. So I I'm a permanent resident in Hong Kong. Uh, yeah. So dual. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. So is your does your mom's family go back to Hong Kong or China? Where is your Um yeah, they have um family members in Hong Kong. So I I remember when I was a kid um during you know like summer holidays or or Christmas or whenever we had any time window. Sometimes my mom would make me um take holidays for Lunar New Year as well um to go to Hong Kong um, to meet up with the relatives, the cousins, my aunties and uncles. So yeah, like we would spend quite a bit of time in Hong Kong. Do you know? Do you know why they moved to England or when they moved to England? What was the plan? Okay, that's interesting because um, <laughs> I mean I'm embarrassed to admit that I don't. I haven't learned the full story of my family fully, and I didn't get around to calling my grandma before the recording of this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's the keeper of the knowledge, yeah? Exactly, exactly. So she holds the key to all the knowledge about the family history and all. But from the bits and bobs that I still remember when I used to listen in on the conversations between my mom and my grandma, and I didn't fully understand what they were talking about as well. So I think my grandma on my mom's side um, went through World War II, which 
uh, which is just like a- any other grandparents, I guess. Yeah, and, a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, and um, on my dad's side, my granddad is actually half British and half Chinese, um, half Cantonese. Um, so, and my parents met in Hong Kong, actually. So that's pretty much all I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you end up in England in Nottingham, the land of Robin Hood. Uh, so, so English was pretty much your first and main language. You, you've heard Cantonese growing up, but you never really learned it. Yes. So English is what I speak on a daily basis as my native language and Cantonese. I think my listening is better than my speaking because, um, I think I, yeah, I used to hear my mom and my grandma speaking Cantonese or sometimes Hakka quite, quite a bit. Um, so I might be able to listen, but I'm, I'm I'm definitely not able to speak Hakka, but Cantonese, maybe a little bit, you know, these days, because I live in Hong Kong. So I would be able to order my favorite dishes from my favorite restaurant <laughs> or telling the taxi driver where to go because, um, yeah, I, I kind of needed that to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So between the two of us, I think we can get a plate of noodles <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe we can get, get some, uh, some, what else could we do? We can get some movie tickets. <laughs> so between the two of us, we're not real good in Cantonese. Yeah. We'll, we'll but, make a good team. I, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of pointing, a lot of, uh, charades. Yeah. Yes. I legal go, go. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I've, I, I've been in Hong Kong a little bit enough to know how little Cantonese I actually know. so you're in england and um so i looked up nottingham a little bit it's there's a little bit of diversity little Mm. bit of diversity so you were not the only asian kid but were you one of the only asian kids in class or one of four maybe yeah yeah that's quite accurate Uh, sometimes i would be the only um chinese in class but definitely not not the only Asian, um, because there are quite a few Asians, for example, like Indians um, around um, in, in my classes as well. So, yeah, when I grew up, I was definitely not um, the only Chinese person around. Um, and definitely there were there was the presence of a lot of like Chinese or Asians, for example, Indians. But at the same time, the presence of Asians was not as prominent as those in the US or in Asia, of course. Was it part of your awareness on like on a daily basis? Did you... Like, I'm, I'm trying to think back when I was a kid, and I don't think I thought about it that much when I was little. And then in, like, middle school, I started being more aware. Like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm Chinese, you know. When you're little, you're just a kid, right? And you're just going through it. But did you have an awareness of your Chineseness as a kid? Mm, that's a very good question, because um, I think I also ask this question to a lot of my guests on my podcast. And a lot of them actually end up saying... They didn't really think that much about like ethnicities, skin colors when when they were a kid. And I think that kind of reminds me that I was about the same. Like I never really thought like, oh, I, I was Chinese. I would never be able to, you know, mingle with other people because, you know, kids, right? They would just um, have fun together. As long as the other kid seems fun, then you would just go for it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I didn't come to realize this like racial dynamics until maybe I was much, much older or even um, after I. I moved to Hong Kong full time. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Then you then you realize, oh, maybe I'm not as Chinese as I thought I was. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to me. So when I went to Asia, I I hadn't been to Asia until till college, until about 20 years old. And I go to Hong Kong and I realize, man, I'm really American. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought I was pretty Chinese. You know, I thought I was decently Chinese, but I got to Hong Kong and I realized, man, I don't speak the language. I don't even dress the same. You know, it was kind of a reverse culture shock. Yeah. Did you wear white socks in your sandals? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. No, here's the thing. I didn't even wear sandals. That was the thing. <laughs> No, yeah, it was just really interesting, and it was I, and I went through a phase where I really wanted to be more Asian, you know, for a minute. Mm. Well, even now, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I was like walking around. I was like, man, I wish I had learned language, or I wish I had um, more understanding of my roots and my culture. So I kind of dove into it a little bit, and yeah. I thought about living in Hong Kong for a minute. I I really wanted to live there, but mm. it just didn't work out. And then, yeah, funny story. I was actually gonna move. To Beijing in 2003, you weren't alive. No, you were alive, but you were you were, I you was were young. Alive. <laughs> <laughs> but so in 2003, um, yeah, I um, was going to move. And do you remember what happened in 2003 in Beijing or in Hong Kong? Was it um, SARS? The first SARS, yeah. So it was the it was the original, I guess, SARS, mm. or the, and so they closed up everything, and so I couldn't go. So I ended up staying here and I never, so I had quit my job and everything. I had quit my job as a teacher and I was ready to go to uh, this Beijing uh, language school because I wanted to learn Mandarin. And I was going to live there for a year and study Mandarin. And then they shut everything up and the program said, you can't come. Even if you wanted to, they won't let you in. And then it all kind of blew over in like three months. It was, it was kind of something I thought would happen with this one. Mm. And then, but then just things had, you know, I needed money and I needed to work. And, and I had met my, my then, she wasn't my wife then, but I met Vivian uh, during that time. So I was like, well, I could wait, I'll go later. And then, you know, we got married a year and a half later. And then, yes, yeah, so, <laughs> so it just never worked out. I just ended up being stuck here, not stuck, but I ended up staying here. Oh, and, yeah. If not for SARS, we could we we could very well be having this conversation face to face, huh? <laughs> we could be neighbors, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so you go through a little. What do you do? What happens in high school that makes you say to yourself, "I want to go to Hong Kong and live there forever"? Mm, well, I'm not so sure about forever because I'm still very <laughs> curious about other places. So who knows right. where I will be in a few years' time. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think going back to what we were talking about, right? Um, well, I didn't think I encountered much discrimination back then when growing up. Um, people would always address me as, um, oh, that Chinese girl. or or but, but that wasn't really coming from a place of racism. Or like when I used to walk on right. the streets, you know, some chavs or drunk people would yell, at me saying things that that wouldn't be so nice but i i would think of that as mostly because they were drunk or they were just like chavs being chavs but i think one incident when i i remember when i was in high school um which we would call um college um right, <laughs> college right. means high school in the uk so uh, i just began going to this college um and it was the freshest week where everybody um got a chance to join some taster classes to figure out um what they actually wanted to do for the a levels right which is the the exam before you, you go into the universities um and i had my mind set on doing english literature um, and as one of the subjects, so I went for um, one of the taster classes and I remember this teacher um, who who was a white male, um, he asked me to stay behind and told me that I think you should choose something that people like yourself 
would be stronger at. And implying that because I am ethnically Chinese, he didn't think I would do very well in English lit. But, uh-huh. um, but of course, the rebel in me just thought, why not? I've done this before. <laughs> why wouldn't I do well in A levels? Right. So I went on to do English lit, um, and I kind of ended up becoming the top ten percent of um, English lit <laughs> students um, during my year. But yeah. I almost flopped maths. Which is a, a subject that my people were supposed to be good at. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So you're doing it, and um, and then what? What was your thinking process towards the end of your high school? Yeah. Um. So. I think, I mean, since I was five, I knew I wanted to become a broadcast journalist. So it wasn't a very hard decision for me to um, decide that I wanted to do journalism as a uni student. But of course, I did flip flop a little bit thinking maybe I I would like to do law um, just to make my parents proud. <laughs> um, but well, I mean, still, I went for what I, I, I loved and... Um, and I decided um, to do my journalism course in Hong Kong because um, growing up, you know, visiting Hong Kong, I would always, you know, have those like hip cousins around and then they would give me the leftover yes cards. I don't know if you have heard of yes cards. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But for those who are not familiar, yes cards are like, I think they're like trading cards, but with Asian celebrities um, on them. But I think I've uh-huh. seen Justin Timberlake on some of those escorts. <laughs> but anyway, um, Hong Kong was always this like hip um, and trendy place for me. And I and in my impression, there would always be something happening. You were never bored. Lights never go out in the city. So uh. yeah, that, that's what made the city really attractive to me. And I w- kind of wanted to live that kind of lifestyle for real as an adult. Yeah, yeah. Growing up, did you ever see anyone that looked like like you on the news? Did you ever see an Asian broadcaster or even on a show? This is funny. Um, I'm pretty sure there are some, but um, in the UK, um, especially we just have BBC, right? I don't think um, BBC is is necessarily known for their diversity in terms of um, on air talent, um, at yeah, least yeah. back back in the days. Um, so I think if any Asian broadcasters, um, I would see it would either be like news programs from either um, TVB or sometimes um, if I happen to come across any um, US TV channels, I would be like, whoa, that's refreshing. There's this like Asian broadcaster <laughs> speaking, <laughs> you know, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, anchoring a, a, a news program. Yeah, yeah, we've had we've had a little Bay Area. We always have a few, but I was wondering if England had that. Huh. Yeah, I I don't think um yeah I don't think it would be so obvious if if, if they even had that or or they would um put all the Asians um to work behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you end up in Hong Kong studying journalism. Did you double in anything? Was it pure journalism, or did you do something else as well? Yeah, so I I did journalism, but I also did a second major, which is business administration, because um, I knew pretty early on um, as a teenager that I wanted to do um, business and financial journalism. Ah, okay. So the pieces are falling together here. So, <laughs> so you graduate and you start doing a little bit of internships at at stations and that and whatnot, or or how did your career start in Hong Kong? Mm-hmm. So actually, I started my journalism career pretty early on, back 
when I was around 16 to 17, around then, because um, during my summer holidays, I would always um, try to sign myself up. And so I ended up signing up to help out at this radio station. Um, but then when I began my journalism program in Hong Kong, I began getting myself into um, all sorts of journalism work um, because I just wanted to get my foot in the door. Um, so I wrote bylines for local newspapers and also some news organizations in Europe um, out of Hong Kong. And um, so during my early days, I was doing a lot of things at the same time from filming, editing, uh, video packages, <laughs> writing, doing some on-camera reporting to social media. So um, yeah, I was really trying to, to try out all sorts of roles within the media industry. That's probably the way to go, right? Is you, you can't be a one-trick pony. You have to have... <laughs> You know, I think that's probably helped you out in a lot of different ways. Yeah, like just yeah, definitely. It, it gave me really good training, and and it prepared me for all the jobs, um, whether or not in journalism, um, that I would I would get into later on in my career. Was your dream to be on camera though? Was that kind of the ultimate goal? Ah, uh, I think when I was five, I did think appearing on TV would be quite cool. But you know, um, times <laughs> change. You know, people stop watching TVs these days. So so I think by the time I, I got the chance to be on air, I, I don't think um, TV was necessarily the most popular, you know, format um, for people to get their news anymore. That's so yeah. so that that's what prompted me to think a little bit more digitally. There's a fun little YouTube video of the day in the life of a broadcast journalist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was super fun. I enjoyed that. It was just fun seeing you and you were going, it's like a 12 hour day yeah, when you're doing. Yeah. Well, what, walk us through a day in the life of a broadcast journalist. I mean, watch the YouTube video. But yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but of course. Um, so so a, a daily shift for for. You know, um, any anyone who works in TV news would be um, at least ten hours um, every day. So um, yeah, from from the moment that I I wake up, I would already be scrolling through um, some major news news sites. Um, you know, just to get myself prepared. You know, what are some of the headlines um, during the day that I would need to be focusing on, and I would you know start going to work depending on um, whether or not I was on. Um, early shift or late shift if if it's early shift i would be going to work at around 9 a.m but uh late shift it would be like 2 p.m for me and i would get off work at around midnight um uh -huh. so <laughs> yeah so no social life <laughs> oh, yeah. uh yeah so so when i when i get to the newsroom i would usually try to finish uh, maybe one to two stories or packages that need to be rolled out um, during the main news program um, during the night and then I would go for makeup and then after makeup I would go actually do the VOs for my stories and um, and whatnot and also do some preparation for my own weekly show because that, that actually takes up quite a bit of my time um, every day and um, yeah and then that would kind of keep me busy until um, I would have to go on the on the air um, for main news um, at 8 p.m. So, so yeah. I mean, it's it's at least a couple of years ago now. So, um, yeah, I, I I might be forgetting some of the details. <laughs> <laughs> what are what are some of the best parts about? Do, is it is it fun being on the air and getting mm -hmm. people to recognize you and stuff, or is it just a lot of work? 
It is a lot of work. I remember thinking to myself, you know, um, there would be times that I, ha- you know, because I had no social life, like anyone who would text me and be like, hey, do you want to hang out um, tomorrow night or something? I'd be like, no, I'm going to be at work. Um, <laughs> I remember feeling a bit um, sad because not I, I was not um, able to be there for, you know, some of my friends during the birthdays or like even my partner, we were living together already, but then um, I was pretty much absent most of the time. Um, yeah, but then I think the highlights would definitely be, um, you know, that I think there's one moment um, which was like seeing myself show up on a billboard at Times Square <laughs> in Hong Kong. Wow. Um, that was quite surreal um that, right. that was pretty recent um but yeah I, I think i don't know how to describe that feeling but seeing yourself on a billboard is like something else but i, I know there are a lot of billboards in the u.s so maybe it's not like that <laughs> well no special. that would be that would be special i think that'd be kind of cool <laughs> and uh and then the other one would be meeting a lot of um smart people from all walks of life because my beat was pretty much um financial news so i would be constantly in talks with you know founders ceos of some startups or some companies or like economists analysts um, from banks and financial institutions so um, it's kind of fun um, you know um, when i chat with them off the air you know behind the scenes mm-hmm. and um, to kind of understand the the thought process that 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 part is quite interesting to me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So 2021 rolls around and you pivot a little bit into content strategy. And so you're working more from home and you're working a little less in this in the studio and you decide, you know what I should do? I should start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the thinking behind that? Apparently, Asian is essentially a project that's years in the making um, and um after more than a decade, you know, since I was a teenager wanting to do projects and after more than a decade and many scrapped project ideas after, so probably Asian happened. So I spent my life wondering about my identities um, as an Asian, right? And I... And then also through my journalism career, I met quite a lot of um, really talented Asians um, who, you know, as, as I got the chance to chat with them, they also went through the same questions. For example, like, who am I? What am I? Um, you know, and then I realized it wasn't just myself um, that would go through that phase of wondering um, about my identities. And also throughout the years, myself and and also, um, you know, some of my Asian friends who would be subjected to a lot of biases racist remarks, uh, microaggression, and unfortunately violence that we've we've been seeing mm-hmm. um, over the, the past few years as, as Asians. And also for Asian women, there would be casual sexism that puts us in real danger. So essentially, um, in short, um, Proudly Asian is a platform that tells and celebrates stories of Asians, half Asians, part Asians, Asians who are told they are not Asian enough and also Asians who got told they are too Asian. (laughs) And then, so I would like for these Asian listeners um, who are still wondering about their identities to feel heard and seen. And at the same time, I would like the world to understand more about the stories of different Asians around the world and learn that there is no one way to look at Asians because it wouldn't be right for anyone to generalize Asians. There are just 
there's so many types of them and there isn't you know it's just not right to make assumptions about how asians should behave or should look like yeah yeah so proudly asian uh available at all the places you get your podcasts <laughs> uh just started in january right yes so about six months for you. Do you have, you, you've interviewed a bunch of different people and I think they are from all over the world, which is, which is pretty fun. You know, we all speak English, you're, all your guests speak English, but they're from all over the world. Almost, I don't know if any of them live in their hometown, like I'm trying to think of any of them <laughs> that actually live in their home. They're mostly expats, yeah? That's true, yeah. I yeah. feel like... <laughs> okay, I just realized that. But yeah, that's right. <laughs> so these are folks that you've met through just networking over the years? Or do you cold call people? How do you find your guests? So um, some of some of them are my friends because um, I'm, I'm so lucky to be surrounded by a lot of um, talented Asians who are really successful in their own um, jobs and domains. So um, that, that was a start for me. But um, eventually I, I, I do... Um, I do um, cold call um, my guests um, because, you know, sometimes I would just um, be looking through some news stories or, or even like looking on the internet and then I would come across these really interesting profiles. And I, yeah, it just got me really curious and I, I just had to message them. Yeah, that's what I do too. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just looking on YouTube or Instagram. You know, I know some of these people, but a lot of these people I've never met and and a lot of people are willing to tell their story, which is I think is great, which is cool, you know, mm -hmm. and we're just willing to to have them on. So so probably Asian um, taking a little break in the end of May, but coming back, when are you coming back with season two? So we are coming back in June. So um, okay. stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. So it actually should be. We're probably dropping this episode in oh, yeah. June as well. So yeah. you could listen to. All of season one and probably start of season two in June. Yes. Um, do you have some... No, of course, all the episodes are great, but do you have a favorite episode that you might oh, want to point listeners to? It's like picking my favorite child. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, I know. Maybe one of the highlights <laughs> is the episode where I spoke to this English-Tibetan couple behind the yeah. Taste Tibet restaurant that's um, in Oxford. Um, it was actually my first time speaking to anyone um, from Tibet. So I was mm -hmm. very, very excited. I, you know, since a child, I don't know why, like I, I've always wanted to visit Tibet, but I haven't got around to her. But, and before the recording, I did so much research about Tibet and the lifestyle of their people because I just had so many questions and and yes, through through talking to Yeshi and Julie, um, I learned a lot. So I do encourage everyone to listen to that episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Me too. <laughs> One of them that I really liked, uh, I'm blanking on the name now, uh, the woman who does, she did a meditation at the end of the episode. Yes, uh, it will be Yinki Wong. Um, Yinki Wong, yeah. yeah. She's this meditation um, professional and she's also a certified uh, sound healer. Yeah, no, that was cool. I was driving home, hard day at work, you know, and you're listening to this woman and she's so mellow. And then she leads us through kind of a uh, a meditation mm. at the end of it. And it's so peaceful. I had to have my eyes open because I was driving. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely recommend that one. And you've had 
you've had all kinds of you've had people in the film industry people in what are some other industries that you guys have touched on we have digital marketers journalists uh book authors yeah even a luxury watch specialist recently yeah yeah half french half chinese (laughs) that was very cool and so, uh, so everyone out there, you, you can learn a lot about lots of different, every episode I've noticed is just totally different from the last one. And it's just, it's good times. And uh, at the end of the segment, or at the end of the show, you do a segment called your rapid bias segment. Uh, what is that segment for you? Yeah, so going back to one of the missions that I wanted to achieve um, while creating Proudly Asian, which is challenging the bias um, about Asians. So when I was um, doing a sort of like a brainstorming as for how I could do this in a fun and lighthearted way, um, I came to this idea of rapid bias, which um, for those who are not familiar, it's a segment where I ask my guests um, biased questions. They got asked at some point in life. So those are real biased questions they they got asked um, um, in a a rapid fire format so um so in a way i wanted to give a platform for my guests to um, address some of these biased questions directed at them that are usually not very nice and most of the time they get fired at us so quickly that we wouldn't even know how to respond at, at the moment in time so um, it's really not nice to just say something like you know um i remember one of the questions would be um where is Myanmar? never heard of it because that is someone's home. That is where someone is from. And and the fact mm-hmm. that if you ask something like, oh, I never heard of your home, it's kind of um, hurtful in a way. Um, and at the same time, I think I try to do it in a fun and creative format because I want to invite more people who are not even Asians to listen to this conversation and participate in it and understand all kinds of bias that Asians would um, get on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, it's... And it's for fun too. Like some of your questions are, are fun. Um, what's your vision for your podcast? What do you what do you see happening in the future? I mean, eh. we're just starting out. This is um, a very tough question because I haven't really thought that far. When I first <laughs> started this project, I, I thought I just wanted to sort of celebrate the Asian identities and have a bit of fun for myself because I've always been in like financial journalism and I never really got to, you know, telling stories of everyday people because I was always, um, you know, uh, quoting what economists and analysts would say. But um, yeah, so far I'm having a lot of fun creating Proudly Asian and meeting different talented Asians, including podcasters like yourself, Curtis, um, and just chatting with listeners from all over the world about things that they they, they think they could relate to after listening to some of our episodes or even things that they don't really understand. Like we would also, we would also chat through those things over DMs on Instagram. So I don't know who... Who knows? Um, I mean, for now, it's gonna—it's a podcast, um, but I'm definitely open to any exciting directions that Proudly Asian could take. Maybe you know, in sometime in the future, it's not going to be a podcast. It could be something completely different. Maybe in the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. Do you have any dream guests that are on your? Maybe some slightly realistic, but also a little bit of a reach for you. Are you trying to trying to get any guests that you are dreaming of? Hmm. I don't think they're necessarily dream guests. I mean, they could be dream guests, um, but well, I mean, definitely Henry Golding. <laughs> Henry Golding, yeah, that's. 
I, I've heard that name come up a few times for yes. you. Yes, and um, Simu Liu. <laughs> One fun fact is that um, when I when I was working on the templates for apparently Asians branding and also like guest promos that you see on our Instagram, um, the placeholder um, image that I put into the guest promo is actually Simu Liu's stock photo. So. <laughs> <laughs> you throw it, you know. He's he's known for throwing himself out there, so you yeah, never know. Many you know, and on, now. <laughs> honestly, of the big Asian celebrities, I feel like he's the one that if you just tagged him on something, he might he might reply and he mm. might say, "Oh yeah, sure, I'll." He's got a new book out. Yes. So yes. Oh yeah. Maybe. Yeah. True. All right. True. But. But Henry Golding is the white whale. He's the <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've got to put that one out there. Henry, if you're listening to either of our podcasts, come on. Come on come over. On the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I. we were talking about um, Gemma Chan is starting a podcast. Yes, that's right. About Vincent Chin. And so I'm, I'm throwing it out there to Gemma that if she needs a co-host, Definitely. you know, because she's British. She doesn't know American culture, right? So I can kind of... <laughs> help her out and i'm a chin she's a chan uh we're talking about vincent chin right so i think it's a i think it's a no-brainer for her yeah i mean according <laughs> to the usual logic that people would ask um asians like if if you're a chin um he's a chin then you definitely know each other right <laughs> right yeah no we're related i'm i'm 99 sure i'm related to to vincent and Gemma somehow in the village somewhere <laughs> <laughs> you go back maybe 10, 20 generations. <laughs> There's got to be a, a common relative. So. Yeah. Are you having fun doing the podcast? Is it is it right now a labor of love, right? Because we're so small. Both of us are kind of just getting started. We're not making any money off of this. Mm. Is it just a labor of love right now? Are you having fun? Is it? Does it feel like work at all? Definitely. Um, I, I work on this out of passion. Uh, and yeah, definitely not making any money for now. But I... I do enjoy uh, creating Proudly Asian very much because um, other than meeting um, talented people, Asians from around the world, I'm also learning a lot from them because, um, you know, being Asian myself, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I know a lot about being Asian. So from talking to my guests, I'm learning a lot of, of you know, like cultures and customs um, from different countries that I never heard of, um, even though I, I might have heard of the countries, but then um, that would be all that I I knew of. But then I wouldn't know, you know, the daily lives um, of, you know, what yeah. it's like living in Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, I don't know, I... For me, it's a little form of therapy, you know, like <laughs> trying to get in touch with my roots a little bit more mm. and meeting really cool and accomplished people in their fields and just talking through it with them, learning about myself too along the way. So I don't know. I guess I'll I, I'll guess I'll just do it until <laughs> until it's not fun anymore. <laughs> I, I haven't thought about the ending either. <laughs> but I mean, since you you did so many episodes, right? Um, do you have a favorite one? Oh yeah, so oh, you're throwing it back on me. I see yeah. how it is. All right, um, I'm gonna say uh, I really talk like I just to throw it to another one of our podcast sisters out there. I really enjoy talking to Linda, mm. uh, Linda Nun in France. She runs a podcast called the Bun Me Podcast, and her passion and just her, she is so genuine and. 
uh, and she she understands she's not a professional, but she does such a good job, and she's really. And in France, she's one of the only Asian podcasters in the French language. And to me, that was that was like the responsibility that she feels to the community. It's really, I thought it was really a, a fun interview. Plus, you know, people, Asians with accents. I'm, I'm a big sucker for Asians <laughs> with accents. So. <laughs> so, yeah, talking to people in Australia, people in, with English accents. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll put that one out there. Hey, you, you have an things. American accent as well, Curtis. <laughs> yeah, I know. Someone told me that, and I was like, I've never even thought about <laughs> that I have an accent. Isn't that funny that people get excited about something that you just have? <laughs> it's, not, it's not like I worked on it. <laughs> yeah. I remember meeting um, the cousins of my boyfriend's um, for the first time because um, he's actually from LA he's um, Filipino American and I remember meeting them for the first time and then the cousins were like oh my god you have an accent it's like watching a movie I'm like oh what's this and then they're like it's like Harry Potter I'm like well, no <laughs> yeah no Americans we're bonkers for accents we you know because our we think of our accents being pretty lame but but you know, like when we meet someone from Australia or England, it's like we go bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, right. You you didn't think about it that much, but then now, if you go to America, you'd be a rock star. You know, you'd be. You'd yeah, be I the... think some some um, sales associates in in those um, shopping mall they might have a bit of. Um, you know, they, they found it difficult to understand me. So I actually, when, whenever I was in LA, um, I, I found myself having to repeat myself quite often when I'm trying to do some shopping. Can you do an American accent when you uh, have to? <laughs> I don't know. I would like to think that my accent has um, neutralized a little bit because after ha having been with my boyfriend for, for so long, I would kind of think that, oh, it's, you know, like when I first moved to Hong Kong, I used to have this like East Midlands um, accent and um, I think it was kind of a bit difficult for local Hong Kong people to understand me and I would always have to repeat myself so eventually I sort of neutralized it a little bit um, to uh -huh. make people understand me better especially for video editors at TV stations where most of them are locals so sometimes I would even speak Chinglish with them but <laughs> but now I would like to think it's not as thick so maybe next time I'll tell you when, when I stop by LA next time and see if I have to explain myself repeatedly <laughs> Do is there a distinctive accent from your region in England? Will people recognize you right away as Nottingham? Oh yes, I don't think it's as, as thick um, in terms of my accent anymore. But then, but um, but then in Nottingham, it, it has um, quite. I think for I don't know, like it's so easy for me to understand. But I think if you actually go to Nottingham, you'll be like, oh my god, what are they on about? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Uh, I don't know how do I find examples. For example, if you you're talking about bus, um, we would normally say bus. Okay. Yeah, or like Monday, Monday, something like that. Ah, you call it's from Nottinghamshire. Is that Nottinghamshire? Share. <laughs> 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 All right, Isabel Wong, you have survived our tough questions. Now it is time. Well, you have the rapid bias, but we are going to do our segment called the lightning round. And I have not even made these questions yet. <laughs> All right, let me think. Okay. If you had to choose for breakfast, if you had to choose between bangers and mash 
or the Hong Kong breakfast Peidan Saoyuk Juk? Would you choose the Juk or the eggs and sausage? Mm. I would actually choose the um, bangers mash because okay. I'm not um, I'm not a big fan of congee, unfortunately. <laughs> but if That's... it was macaroni soup, it's going to be very difficult. I might actually choose macaroni soup. Okay, yeah. That's my, my wife's family's from Hong Kong. She loves that. A little bit of ham in there. It's mm. kind of refreshing. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, what is your favorite Hong Kong baked good? Egg tarts. Yeah, yeah. With milk tea. Yeah, they taste different in Hong Kong. You know, it's something about the water or I don't know what it is. but Because, you know, San Francisco, we have quite a few Asian bakeries out here. But something about an egg tart in Macau or in Hong Kong it just hits a little differently. Mm, mm. I've never tried it, but I'm, I'm curious now. Um, egg okay, tarts yes. in San Francisco. Yeah, come on by. I'll treat you. We'll do a. There's a street in San Francisco that has like five or six of these places, and we'll do a little egg tart crawl. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. Um, let me think. Okay, so we have a question from a listener in Flushing, New York, and he writes, "Can you please ask Isabel how old she is?" <laughs> nice try. <laughs> But it's not nice to ask a lady how old she is. Yeah, how dare you, listener? <laughs> how dare you make me ask her this question? How rude. <laughs> nice try. For those who don't know, that is our friend. We won't even name him on this show. We don't want to give him that much credit. But it's our friend in New York. We tr- I tried, but she's too smart for you, so she's not going to answer that question. All right, so let's just, just for fun, um, after work, let's say you're getting out of the studio, so you have to think back, now you're working at home, but back in the days when you got out of the studio at 11 o'clock at night, what's your favorite late night meal in Hong Kong? Mm, uh, I would say instant noodles or some sort of instant noodle soup, you know, um, yeah. Will you go home and eat it or go to like a 7-Eleven and have it there? I would I would normally have some instant noodles at home. So I would normally yeah. like cook it um, at midnight or, or just past midnight. Yeah. And then you could just crawl right into bed. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And then our last question is one we do at the end of all of our shows. We ask our guests who their infatuation is. An infatuation is someone from the Asian community that you may admire from afar, or maybe you know them, could be living, could be deceased. Isabel Wong, who is your infatuation? Um, yeah, I actually had to think a bit, um, and I think it will have to be Jamma Chan. Um, yeah, because. Yes. Well, because she's from she's from England, and um, and also her parents um. Her parents are from Hong Kong, and um, she she's incredibly intelligent. She's pretty. She's so elegant. So I think she definitely sort of um, is one of the celebrities out there who's breaking the bias about you know what Chinese or like Asian could be. Hmm. Hmm. And she seems really nice. I've seen her on interviews. Like she seems just like a down to earth girl. Yes. Woman. Yes. Excuse me. <laughs> she's not down to earth woman. <laughs> Yeah, she does stuff for the community. She's very involved with, I forget the name, like in America, we call it Stop AAPI Hate, but in England, they had a similar movement and she was very involved with that. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, good choice. Gemma Chan. She is always welcome on the show. So Gemma, if you want to come on, I will cancel all of our other interviews <laughs> and put you on immediately. Make way for Gemma. <laughs> we will make way for Gemma. Uh, she's got a couple things coming up, right? She's got uh, Crazy Rich Asians 2. Oh, yes. Yes. I think they were talking about doing a spinoff from that as well. Yeah. So yeah, so Gemma Chan, if you want to promote, we will, we will promote all your stuff. Come on, have a little chat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, what do you have coming up? On you want to tease any of your upcoming episodes on Proudly Asian? Mm, so, so for season two, I really, um, I really put myself to work to find um, many different guests from um, all sorts of different backgrounds that we might not have featured in season one so you will be hearing from a lot of guests who have heritage um in southeast asia south asia um north asia and just basically all over the place so definitely you will be in for a treat if you tune in to season two of proudly asian of course we'll tune in yeah (laughs) no we're looking forward to season two uh, Isabel Wong, thank you so much for coming on our show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Katis. Yeah, we'll do more. Uh, we'll do these things called happy hours mm. with our little podcast group. Of course, it's like 6 a.m. where I am. <laughs> so, well, happy hours any any time. <laughs> it's always happy to talk to friends, but yeah, it's a little rough on my end. But otherwise, you'd be at 1 a.m. if we go any later. So Next time, I'll try to stay up for you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Happy to do. Happy to do early morning. Um, so, all of you out there, go tune in to Proudly Asian. You can find that anywhere you get your podcasts, and also on Instagram with the same username. Are you on YouTube? You have a little bit on YouTube, right? Uh, yes. So on Instagram, you can find us at proudly Asian, and on YouTube, okay. you can just search Proudly Asian Podcast. All right. All right. And if you want to find us, you can email us at infatuationpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow us at The Infatuation Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You know I'll put all these details in the show notes. Give us a follow. Give us give us both a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be great. You can give us a rating on Spotify. Um, until we talk again, Isabel, on behalf of Isabel and myself, we hope that you're all happy, healthy, and safe out there. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. That is a wrap. Yes. Yes. Have you done other shows? Have you been on anyone else's show? Uh, So far, not yet. I mean, I did get some invites, but then I think scheduling has been quite a challenge on my end, actually. Yeah, if they're from the US. Yeah. It's tricky. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go on Teddy's show this week. Oh, to talk about true crime. Yeah, yeah. What, what is so, it that you're going to talk about? <laughs> well, she's got this one with the... Do you remember in Tokyo, 
Now this one may be before you were alive. This in the nineties, there was a there was a subway attack using sarin gas. Oh, in like the mid nineties, and um, so she has me on as the science expert. <laughs> so I'm gonna explain sarin gas to her listeners. Um, but that'll be super fun. Yeah, have you listened to her? She's really fun. Yes, I have. And but but then again, like I'm not. You don't like super- the tr- <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm not big on true crime podcasts, unfortunately. I love documentaries, like watching. Yeah. But then listening is completely different. I think they get into, you know, some specific details. And then when I start imagining it, it's kind of, yeah, um, yeah it makes it yeah, hard yeah. to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, yeah, I, I couldn't do it either. I don't know if she just blocks it out or doesn't yeah. think about it too much. But yeah. She said yeah, that sometimes she gets creeped out. Yeah, sometimes she won't. She'll get into a sh- an episode and she just can't do it. Mm, yeah, so. I. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you one case, um, or maybe you're both on on Slack. One case that I came across, but um, I think it was about um, the torturing of this um, Japanese high school girl. Um, she was tortured for like forty something days. Um, yeah. It was a very long time ago, and when I looked up the case, I I don't know. It, I just it just gave me nightmare that night. I think she did start that one. I think that was oh. one of the ones that she started. Yeah, the torture ones I can't do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like, you should in, look into another case in Hong Kong that happened. I think it, it was like a university professor who killed um, his family by inserting some sort of like toxic gas um, into a yoga ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then popping the ball or it just slowly diffuses? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't have problems with movies that are fiction, you know, that talk about stuff like that. But when you start to think about how it's real. Yeah. kind of creeps you out. Yeah, yeah I know. Not, not for me. No. <laughs> yeah, especially, you know, and, and things change a little bit when you become a dad, you know, when you become a dad or a mom, a parent, you start thinking you know worst case scenarios and yeah it's just yeah i can't do it so i'm gonna continue to talk about fluffy stuff you know we're gonna do (laughs) movies we're gonna do books we're gonna do music for sure yeah Yeah. (laughs) i got one for you well i'm gonna try to talk to her it's this woman from spain she's chinese born Mm. but she's riding her bike from spain to asia Mm. and she's on the road right now wow so uh, I'm I'm curious to talk to her. I I think she said she as long as she has Wi-Fi she can do it. Do you know so, where where she is um, on the journey? She's on her now. way to Italy. She just finished France, so she rode from Spain through France, and she's on her way to Italy. Hmm. So. So she's actually vlogging about her journey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So she's live updating, not live updating, but she's updating like fairly consistently. To show her journey. What's her name? But, uh, Sarah, S-A-R-A-Q-I-U, Chu. Mm. And her YouTube channel is Journey from the Road. Ooh, interesting. I found her. Yeah. Wow. So I just, I just talked, I just messaged her two days ago and she got back right away. So she's online a lot. Mm. I guess when she's in Europe, she won't have a problem when she gets to some other more remote places she may have trouble uploading but where's her destination she says she doesn't know (laughs) like she doesn't have an endpoint in mind she just says 
the Far East. <laughs> you know, she's taking the Silk Road, I guess. I see. But yeah, I think once you get out to like Western China, that's gonna be it's gonna be more iffy. You know, getting、mm-hmm. your bike repaired and all that, and you know, equipment and stuff. Yeah, but she's so, she's solo traveling, so yeah. Wow.、Uh, so I'll I'll let you know. It, she's gonna come on soon, but I think she'd be great for your show too. Mm-hmm. I I will be curious to to listen to her on your show. <laughs> and and you know me, right? So she's got the Spanish accent. Oh, with the Chinese face. Are you gonna change your accent? <laughs>、uh, I know. I, did you hear me on on the one with with Linda?、I、you were like, like you were kind of like、French. showing off your French. <laughs> And it's so bad. She was like, "Yeah, my friends thought your your attempted at French was really funny." I was like, "It was. I thought I was. I thought I was pretty good." <laughs> you tried. You tried. <laughs> I tried. I know. But in your head, you sound great, right? You're like, "Oh, that sounds so good." Yeah. <laughs> Do you have more <laughs> recordings coming up this weekend? Yeah. So,、uh, have you on my desk? Have you read、uh, Chemistry by Waiki Wang? No, not yet. So she's she's an up up and coming author,、uh, and she's she's very bright. So she came on a couple weeks ago. So we did her. So I'm editing that right now, and then I have a ballet dancer from San Francisco.、Mm, so、wow. she's someone I actually know her. But she's danced for like twenty years,、Ooh. which is rare in that industry, you know. So she's she's held on. She had a baby, and still I know. So she's I think she's almost forty. Oh wow! And she's still doing it. They they must live a very like strict lifestyle, right? As ballerina, I she said that yeah. In her younger days, no, it'd be like a hamburger. Like, you know, as soon as after she's done dancing, she'd have a hamburger. But now, and she'd just show up right before rehearsal. Without stretching or anything, and just start dancing. But she said, "Now she's got to show up an hour early, really stretch things out." Oh you know? my god! Wow. So she's not sure how much longer she wants to do it. But yeah. Do Do you know much about the life that we're going to be on? <laughs> no, I know nothing. Yeah. So I don't know. What's the point of it again? I guess just to. Ah.、Uh, we're not raising that... money or anything, right? We're just. I I feel like Cat is always is always. Um, raising money for for something. Yeah, and looking yeah, for so, content. And and yeah, I'm also kind of wondering about like if if Lingy needs any help or or like when the promos are coming out because I think because、uh, it, it's only it, it's this week, right? So it's Friday, yeah. So I might have to plan something for the feed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For the promo. <laughs> yeah, I want to I want to promote it if we can get some people out there. I I don't want to just be the three of us cooking with two people watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I, so I guess we're cooking for what half an hour or something like that. Something like doing... that. Yeah. So I feel like I I would actually what I would do is um I would maybe prepare like pre measure everything that I needed. Right, so right. when we go live, it would just you know be the stirring. Yeah. 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 So we'll see. We'll have fun with it. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean,、know. I'm actually nervous because I don't cook all that much. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Lingji does either. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh my so, god, you're gonna win now! <laughs> well, <laughs> it's just it's just pancakes. We can all do pancakes, right? So, um, I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we'll have fun. I think we'll have fun. <laughs> yes.、So. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll let you get your ramen and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> But it was fun catching up. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's do a happy hour soon. 
Yeah, we definitely. I'm I'm off all summer, so I can oh, I can yeah. meet anytime. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. And I'll let you know if I even get a chance to go to California. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you ever I come really... up to the Bay Area or mostly LA? Um, last time I was in California, I was in San Francisco for a few days, but it was okay. really short, so I didn't get to explore uh, much because we did the PCH um, um, back to LA. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but this time I feel like I would like to stay there. If I really get to go, I would like to stay there for a month. So hopefully yeah. I would be able to go elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. For sure. Give us a call. Yeah. We'll show you around tour. the city. Eggtart crawl. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you soon. Yes. Thanks for coming on. No worries. Take care. Have a good weekend. Bye. See you later.